Reverend. You can have any truth you want. Walk, talk, address a duke, a lord, a bishop, an ambassador. It's absolutely impossible. of the Projections Podcast. We are Sarah, Catherine Cleaver and Mary Wilde and we like to use psychoanalysis to talk about film and film to talk about life. We're back with a series of episodes exploring fashion films. We'll be running through themes including controlling creation, desiring desire, violence and bodies, consuming and corruption, fetish, reading clothes and disguise and secrets as well as anything else that happens to come up during our sessions. We're especially fascinated by the relationship between fashion and death, and we've chosen films that represent this intriguing dynamic. Join us for an in-depth investigation of fashion films. Bye! Hello, Mary. Hello, Sarah. Uh, We're very happy to welcome Cathy Lomax here as our guest today. Hi. Hi. Um, we have brought Kathy in to talk about uh, makeup in film, and we're going to be talking about The Love Witch, um, because Kathy is an artist and gallerist and PhD scholar, and she's currently researching into makeup in film for her PhD. So we thought that she'd have a lot of interesting insights, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, so, um, well, you've kind of given me a really nice little intro anyway, <laughs> not much more to say, but I'm, um, my PhD is about the, how makeup's used to construct female stars, construct their star image, particularly looking at films in the 1950s and 60s, so um, I'm looking at like, Natalie Wood and loads of other stars <laughs> just got out of my head but um I think that that particular period is really interestingly connected to The Love Witch although The Love Witch is obviously a very contemporary film mm-hmm. when was it made 2017 was it? 2016 2016 but it really does draw on I think that era and its use of colour mm. so it feels very very relevant even though it isn't of the sort of era that I'm studying particularly. Yeah, it's kind of using the same rules. Exactly. It's a real kind of playful tribute to yeah. 1960s horror and technicolour film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I love, I, I love The Love Witch. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also a painter and so I love colour mm. films and they're really, I find them really inspirational, that sort of unreal technicolour um, intensified colour. Really heightened kind of yeah. yeah. Um so lots of my paintings kind of use that that colour palette. Well I mean you've been doing this series since I've known you, which I love, which is you watch a film and you paint a still from it, yeah. basically. And it's always kind of slightly unexpected still. It's not the it's not the ones that are I try not because occasionally I do paint the still that you know. I don't know if you think of Psycho or something, mm-hmm. it would be the shower scene. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that image is so great that I can't resist painting it. But usually I look for something which maybe isn't the absolutely obvious 
image from the film, but mm-hmm. if somebody knows the film very well, they might recognise it. Wow. Um, and I call it a film diary, because my thought was that I wanted to make some kind of visual diary of what I do every day, and then I realised that what I do every day is quite boring, but watching <laughs> films is kind of like what I do every day. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when you're watching the film, you enter into the film and you're very involved with it. And so choosing an image from the film felt very personal and it seemed like a kind of quite revealing thing to do, but quite hidden at the same Mm -hmm. time. So, yeah, it's been a fun thing to do. Um, Although, yeah, I'm always really, really behind those. So my idea was to watch the film and make the painting, but because other things in life get in the way. Yeah. I'm making paintings at the moment of films I watched in, I think I've just got on to 2015, Wow. I know, it gets worse and worse. <laughs> so I think when I've finished this particular set, I make them sets of 12, I'm going to actually skip a few years and come up to the present day. Because oh. I keep watching films and thinking, oh, I really want to make a painting of that, but being sort of very pragmatic and well, making rules I stick to. I yeah. No, I've got to go back to those films I watched. I'm really impressed. And Fair. I say that as a person who's never, who just cannot finish a project because I get 15 other ideas during yeah. just the initial research. I can't even start a project. I think the good thing mm. about this is that often it's really hard to think about what you want to paint or what art you want to make, you know, because everything is possible. And so it's quite nice to have something that's structured. Mm-hmm. And the paintings are quite small and I make them very quickly. So um, I can just go in and know straight oh yeah, I'm doing this next, and just start doing it. And then hopefully that'll help me sort yeah. of free up to do other things as well. It's, it's sort of like a little ongoing thing that's developed. It feels like we're getting some kind of lesson in creative productivity. <laughs> yeah. But also in the kind of the way that you end up examining your own associations with the film through that process of painting yeah. this stuff. It is interesting though when I look back. I mean, there are all these different things in it because um, obviously the way I'm doing it now, I'm looking at films I watched a few years ago. I've already collected stills from them, but then I'll select one that resonates with me now, I guess with my memory of watching the film then. Um, but when I look back on on the paintings that I made a couple of years ago, and I really do, it takes me back to something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's when I was really obsessed with, I don't know, mm. beds. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like a whole bunch of them where I'm, I'm just like really looking, oh, yeah, they're lying in that sort of bed. It's got this kind of wallpaper wow. or something. And I kind of see these reoccurring motifs. Um it's all there for somebody to analyse, you know, when yeah. I'm dead. No, I that's think, what it's all about. I think I may Art. have learned my <laughs> collecting of motifs from you, actually. Because um, it was really only when I met you that I started collect, beginning collections. You were um, crying. Women crying. Yeah. Backs of heads is a yes, recent one. I, I do film. love a yeah, back you, of head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> women vomiting is a new one okay. that, I'm, that I'm collecting in films. There's um, a lot of vomiting in films, isn't there? Yeah, and it really TV, is. Generally. Yeah. yeah I think they didn't, it didn't used to ever be shown on film, maybe. And now it's sort of like almost quite polite. Yeah, it almost is. <laughs> It'd be rude not to. Yeah. <laughs> but they're definitely there for someone else to analyse. Yeah. Not, yeah. not yeah. for me. Yeah, exactly. You don't need mm. to. You yeah. just collect one. Yeah. Just the archive. <laughs> so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which, leading on to the PhD, yeah. that's much, much harder because then you do have to analyse everything. Mm. It's kind of easier making the art in a way. I bet. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that you also worked as a makeup artist? I did, yeah. yes. Um, I, I was trying to remember earlier anticipating that this might come up <laughs> when I actually was working as a makeup artist and I think it was kind of mid-80s to mid-90s mm-hmm. roughly so going through that period of um, grunge and that kind of look mm-hmm. so I worked for magazines I worked in fashion didn't didn't work in film but I worked for magazines like The Face and ID quite a lot and mm-hmm. with those photographers that were coming up then, like Corinne Day and Jürgen Teller and people wow. like that. So it wasn't like super glamorous, false mm-hmm. eyelashes makeup. It was mm-hmm. very much make, putting on makeup that looked like the model might have put it on herself. Mm-hmm. That was sort of part of the skill, mm-hmm. which friends of mine did used to joke about wasn't much of a skill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely, I feel like it influenced both of us quite oh, a yeah. lot that, to that period. of in, We yeah. might have even been influenced by your actual work. Can you send us some? We'll put it on the Instagram. Yeah, Yeah. sure. I'd love to. Um, Actually, I did like doing kind of glamorous things Mm -hmm. every now and then when I remember doing a story for the face that was meant to be very theatrical and a bit fairy tale-ish and I was like Mm -hmm. super Mm overexcited. Black lipstick and false eyelashes and all that stuff. I want to find that. I want to see it. (laughs) Yeah. And do you follow any makeup artists on YouTube? Do you watch tutorials? Like, do you just do you take any pleasure in doing that at all? Because I, I, I do. I know I you like doing that. <laughs> I actually have never really got into okay. doing that. I mean, I do follow some makeup artists on Instagram. Mm-hmm. People that I know from when I was working, really, like Pat McGrath oh, and yeah. Val Garland and people. Um, but I don't really look at YouTube. I have been watching that new show, Glow. Yeah. Up, Glow Up. Yeah. Which I kind of am a little bit addicted to. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's um like a reality makeup artist show. Like, I haven't started watching it yet, but no, I'm aware of really it. Oh, yeah. And amazing. they call them MUAs, yeah. makeup artists, which I've never heard before. I'm so into MUAs, that. Yeah. MUAs. And they're quite... I don't want to say they're terrible, but... <laughs> <laughs> but they don't do the sort of makeup I would have ever done. They're very much into um, illusion makeup, and I mean they do okay. do different tasks. So they have to do like a beauty mm. image for Marie Claire. Mm-hmm. But really, they like doing these kind of really. Do you mean like, con- like heavy contouring? Not even heavy no? contouring. Like uh, things where, like you have you have a, a snake going uh, over someone's face and it right. disappears into your mouth. And then oh it goes on over your chest. Yeah. I know, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and they did do one drag queen week, and they were going, oh, I don't really do drag makeup. I don't know how to... I'm like... Really? Just, you know, pile it on. And, <laughs> and they don't know what... They don't seem to know what ordinary glamour makeup yeah. is. It's interesting. They're all into... Are they all a, quite young? Yeah. And they're just all into this particular kind of wow. makeup, which they feel is super creative. Okay. But they're being, you know stretched and, and they have to do these like tasks like paint that they have sort of head-to-heads like paint the perfect black lip and then they'll, they'll work on twins two of them and, mm-hmm. and they then they examine them with a makeup um, magnifying glass and see if anyone's gone over the lines and I'm like oh my god I would have just been so rubbish to me <laughs> <laughs> oh wow it's quite you know it's quite hard mm. but it's good I recommend it if you want some, you know, 
mindless TV. Yeah, entertaining. Yeah. And today you're wearing Love Witch makeup. Yeah. Did you do that on purpose? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, really wanted to wear purple, but I just couldn't find the right shade. So. Mm. Um, I am also wearing Love Witch makeup, but it's pink. Yes, yeah, so you're going for the more uh. sort of natural... Mm-hmm. When she when she becomes a little bit more romantic and doing that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. um, fairy tale unicorn, it's just I don't have a turquoise eyeshadow, <laughs> <laughs> and if I did have a turquoise eyeshadow, it would make me look the colour of like a tomato. It really doesn't go. I have to wear like, red or purple. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't wear any. I can't wear blues or anything like that. Okay. They look horrible. So, and that's just another reason why I'm not the perfect woman, the perfect love witch. <laughs> Yeah, she is amazing, um, the Love Witch, because mm. her makeup is so kind of clean looking, yeah. isn't it? Like she only wears for her eyeshadow; it mm. is just one color. Yeah. Um, and her skin is sort of perfectly flawless. I mean, she just looks like the most amazing um, untouched canvas. Yeah. Yeah. Blank canvas, which I think is quite telling because there is all that stuff about her I think sort on. of absorbing other people yeah and also sense. just adopting this appearance and becoming this person that she she's decided she wants to yeah. be um I guess all those ideas around masquerades seem to be very much there well in our previous episode yeah. we were talking a little bit about men bringing women back from the dead Uh, with vertigo and um, Mary pointed out that pretty woman he's kind of bringing her back from what he perceives as the social death um, of being a sex worker and working on the streets and this is a very different idea in that she kind of brings herself back from the dead yeah so she is like she does have that kind of she's almost got cadaver makeup on a little Mm -hmm. bit in that because she you can when you in close-ups you see she's got a lot of it on you know and it's and it's a different she's a different color underneath it like her lips like oh paler than they really are like there's a scene that I really noticed and it really annoys me because she's got very pale pink lips and Mm. you can see really see the texture of that lipstick kind of like all over her Mm. and so I do I do kind of think that it is it is a little bit like yeah it is a little bit like cadaver makeup like what they do to you before you get buried yeah that kind of where they kind of put they kind of put you back together for your last for your last hurrah a little bit and um and she is she does say that she which I really identify with a little bit. She can't go. She can't really go on as herself after she's had her heart broken. Yeah. So she has to be reborn as something else. But she does. She does. Yeah, I think that that makeup is part of what kind of holds her together because she's so damaged. So a little mm. bit of a connection with the neon demon. Yes. I guess, and that kind Absolutely. Of cadaver makeup. Well, that's another thing that I'm starting to like <laughs> morgue makeup artists in films yeah. because mm. they're given to people that. Uh, don't I, I don't think should are uh, qualified. So it's like in like Kirsten Dunst and Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's our after school job. I don't know if it's a particularly <laughs> prestigious job, is it? Not that it's prestigious, but that don't you have to know how to use all the chemical? Like it's not. It's like a science job, not like a beauty job, right? It? It's a you've got. It's like it's not makeup, makeup. It's yeah. something oh, else. I didn't imagine that they would have to do the embalming, the makeup. Artist. I, I thought they know. would just come in and actually paint the face. 
I, I'm trying to think. There's a bit. Mm. I think I'm thinking of um, the Gianni Versace TV show where like, you actually see them like refill oh, yeah. like the crater in his head that's left from the bullet. So I thought that, that was well. The, that's quite special. That's quite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she has, you know, she's like in Drop Dead Gorgeous. She's working on the guy that got shot in the head. So I'm just, I don't think you should be doing no, this. That's not an after school. <laughs> no, thing, right. <laughs> I don't. This is. A t- I don't think you should, the teenagers should be doing this job yeah. of. Um, <clears throat> making up their dead classmates. <laughs> yeah. As fun as as in Sam. Yeah, I mean, it's, like because of those films as well. I always thought, oh, I want to be, I want to be yeah. a morgue makeup artist. What a fun job! I did know somebody who did it. Once. <gasps> Could they come on the show and talk about <laughs> it? No, but this was when I was about sixteen, so and it was a guy, and I don't know him anymore. And mm. he was a punk, and I used I used to work in a record shop, and he used to come in, and I used to think he was so super cool. Hmm. And he told me that's what his job was, but now I'm thinking maybe he meant <laughs> all these years I've believed it. He knew just what to say to you. Like, I, what, what, how can I impress this girl? <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, like in the Neon Demon, it's also that it, for me that whole thing of because we, we're really interested in that connection between death and fashion mm-hmm. and how there, it, it does seem like it's a recurring thing. And this idea that, you know, in the Neon Demon, uh, Jenna Malone's character, she is a fashion makeup artist, but she's also working moonlighting. Yeah. Maybe not so much out of necessity because she's probably fine. She earns enough mm. wages. It's more because she's a necrophile. And she, <laughs> she wants to do it. Yeah. She wants to do yeah. it. But, and, but this ties in with this idea that in The Love Witch, um, the, the, you know, the, the principal character, she is actually covering up um, something really badly damaged, bruised. And so, and she has to use the most high coverage, mm. most pigmented materials because it is that serious. She can't let anything peek through. Because I noticed that as well. When I look at her face, uh, it is so intensely pigmented. Mm. I mean, there's you don't see any freckles. No. It's almost as if you're looking at a porcelain doll. Yes, or, exactly. Because her skin is so all one tone yeah. so apart from a little bit of blush of it right but there's um, no dis- there's no natural discoloration no. peeking through no. there's no any blemishes or anything <laughs> it's like almost like uncannily uh, doll like yes yeah yeah that's that's true and she and I guess it extends to her hair as well doesn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. she has that hair piece and yeah. she looks quite when she fir- when you first see her without the hair piece it's a bit like oh something's strange oh she doesn't have the big hair on <laughs> So she is, oh, yeah. you know, it, no, nothing there is as nature intended. No. It is all um, composed and contrived. Yeah. And she sleeps in that makeup she as well. Sleeps, yeah. And that really makes me uncomfortable. Really? Because I never... completely agree with sleeping in makeup. Really? Yeah. It's just that she can never have. I don't know. It's like she's always uncom- slightly uncomfortable. She all can the time. never, never relax. Yeah. Never, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not just being super judgy of people that are too tired <laughs> to take their makeup off. I mean, but you know what? I have a, I have a terrible. I really have almost like a crippling fear of forgetting to remove my makeup before really? sleep. I don't know what it is. It's being drilled into my mind that it's so bad for the skin and that you're you're clogging up your pores and you're going to end up breaking out. And so whatever happens, like I'll be I'm that person who even at the end of a pretty intense night, mm. I'll be there doing my full skin routine and like triple cleansing mm-hmm. and like hydrating and stuff mm-hmm. so I'm really obsessive about it because that's just how these views 
I suspect yeah. that that isn't true. I okay. have no evidence, but about the you know breaking out and stuff. Yeah. I think that that's probably just been introduced to sell more product. Yeah, for double the product. <laughs> if you take all your makeup off, you have to put more on in the morning. Yeah. You just leave it on. You just top it up. <laughs> oh you God. don't need all the cleansing. <laughs> what have I been doing? <laughs> It's probably good to block your pores. It probably keeps you looking younger. Keeps the pollution out. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, my but, God. But, you know, don't, Mind blown. don't trust me on that completely. I'm just very suspicious yeah. of what the beauty industry tells us. Mm. Wow. That, that is a completely different way of living. I might try it for a week. Just keep putting more makeup on the makeup that's already there and seeing. I, I, I used to work mm. for a, um, a makeup company, and we they were called Cosmetics a la carte, and they had a little shop in uh, Belgravia. And some of our mm. clients that came in were quite elderly duchesses and ladies, mm-hmm. somebody or other. And a few of the very, very elderly women literally didn't ever take their makeup off. They just oh used to put more on every day. You wow. could kind of Even see... Even mascara and stuff. Oh, yeah, mascara, definitely. Whoa. You need you need to leave it on for a few days to get the proper build-up. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so the opposite of what we've been taught. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're freaking it's what everybody out. Everybody did in the sixties and seventies. It's true. As well. I mean, I always... they had very voluminous lashes, and yeah, this is did. why. And then they put full size lashes on as well. And obviously. they never wash their hair as well. They used to no. go get it set and blow dried, and then I hate washing my hair too much. I hate it too, but I have to because <laughs> yeah. we're, because I think it is all just brainwashing. It really is. <laughs> Well, no, now it's that I wash my hair so much that if I don't wash it, it becomes like, unfathomably greasy and right. I can't. It's because you've trapped. become addicted I've to become the addicted. washing yeah. cycle. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no one's ever described washing as an addiction before. <laughs> yeah, it's got a very revolutionary way. Um, but I think the, yeah. the thing about this film, I mean, all of that is absolutely true that she's putting on all this makeup to obscure the. Mm terribleness that lies beneath it Mm -hmm. in her mental state Mm -hmm. but I think the thing that really struck me about it and reading um things that the director said Mm -hmm. is about how important it is the makeup and the you know the look of the film the surface of the film the surface of the makeup how that sort of almost like the sounds like the first thing she thought about when designing the film and that's so unusual to have a director talking like that and also for that to be the case because it is the thing when you look at that film you can't help see the makeup can you and there were so many amazing close-ups yeah going right into her green eyeshadow and mm-hmm. her well, it's really similar to the beginning opening shot of vertigo or the opening credits of vertigo you oh, get okay. the credits coming over the eyes yeah. oh, yeah, I the remembered that. Well, that's yeah. interesting. i think she does i think there is a lot of inspiration from a lot yeah. of different sources in it i, I feel like, i mean i haven't recognized it all but it just seems yeah you get this sense watching yeah. the love witch that anna anna biller who very much is already an auteur, I mean, and just in the sense, in the way that she assumes and asserts control over every aspect of her mm-hmm. filmmaking process, that uh, she is a real cinephile, and she's using the cinematic medium also to express herself as a cinephile, not just a director. Yes. And so there is a lot of homage, there is a lot yes. of references, but like reclaimed, so in a very original way, returning 
Um, and I, I really like I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Annabella's. I mean, I think we talk about the Love Witch every episode practically. <laughs> so I'm obsessed with the making of it because yeah. she did just make it all herself. Yeah. Everything, sets, costumes, the makeup props. design, props, everything, and she did a lot of it. I think she was she was ill. Um, she mm. had I can't remember what she had, but she had some kind of mm. something that took her a really long time to get over, and she had to have a lot of time off. Um, and she said there's, there's a bit where she casts a spell and she's on a rug that's got like a pentagram oh, on it yes. and she said that pen, that rug took her like a year to make and she wow. used to sit and make it and watch old movies and that's just oh my, my dream yeah. of a, no, like, a job you can have sitting and making a rug for your film watching tons oh, and tons of old films that level of detail but, yeah. I think is amazing and the fact that you're ha- you made everything yeah. and it's a really deceptive film because it seems about to be about a woman who's who is sort of stripping away meaning and becoming superficial but she is like she's an artist and a painter and a creator that she makes spells and makes potions and makes paintings mm. and the and makes you know and m- like makes this whole you know human every single day mm. and so it's kind of it does re- relate a little bit to vertigo and pretty woman in the sense that it's about women that are told that are sort of made to feel like they're not enough or that something's missing from them when actually the truth is that they're just too much. Yeah. There's too much there's too much there for them to be like, you know, comfortably fetishized down to something manageable, even yeah. when they're even when they're trying to do it to themselves or being complicit in what's happening to them. Mm. It's uh yeah, it's this idea that you you're led to believe there's something you know, or like they're led to believe there's something missing from them. And they have to have more put on them. That they're actually they're just overflowing with like creativity and personality and mm. too much too you know there's too much there to be. And, and why shouldn't your face be that canvas to yeah to you know develop that creativity on? Exactly. That's what it kind of feels yeah. like. Um, so I think that that's kind of quite an interesting idea that does seem mm-hmm. to be very much part of the film that mm-hmm. um, the way that that the aesthetics of it are foregrounded so much and they are super feminine. That scene in the Victorian tea room where there's lots of chintz and tea party and big outfit. (laughs) And that looks like films from the 70s, the go-between or something. I don't know, just loads of different films kind Mm. of come to mind. Um, It's... It seems to be saying. I mean, I find it quite confusing the the feminist angle of it when I'm when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of terrible the way that she's um, giving herself to these men and she wants to be the the perfect lover mm-hmm. and look after the man. And then, of course, she is subverting that because she ends up killing them. Or um, I hope that's not a big spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it sort of seems to lead you a little bit in one direction and then it pulls you back and goes, aha, but actually, you know, she's not doing what she what you think she's doing. And I think what that's saying to me is that all of these, uh, the way that it looks, all this feminine frou-frou and pink and makeup and everything, busyness, that we're led to believe is not really very interesting and kind of trashy Mm -hmm. and a lesser aesthetic actually that is really super important and we should start to look at that more and value that more 
and analyze it more and think about it more. It, it's piling it on more and more and more. Um, and the witch, the witch stuff, which I don't know so much about, but I find it super intriguing. Mm. And that's all part of that, isn't mm. it? And then she'll walk into the club, and there's a stripper, and then it's like, oh no, but that's a stripper. That's not. That's not good. I can't. I can't think of the good angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a. It's a. It's a certain type of stripper, isn't it? It's a burlesque dancer. Yeah. It's not a like, come into this room and not let see my labia stripper. <laughs> <you know? laughs> not as anything wrong with that kind of stripper either. But mm-hmm. again, it's like that's a very sort of uh, controlled, like yeah. quite sort of performing femininity the type of Dita von Tees kind of exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, and and also the way that the I love the way that the men are just so. Ugh, just sort of enraptured yeah. by her, and I guess all of them looking at the strippers as well, and just think she's this perfect woman, and and she that puts her so much in control, which I think is a, just a really interesting thing that people don't talk about enough: mm. how women can use their sexuality to sort of have control of a situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Annabella talks about the female gaze quite a lot, yeah. and so that's sort of interesting as well, I think. Yeah, we were saying that actually she's so interesting to follow on Twitter because she has some really unique takes on a lot of things mm. that are being currently discussed in a public forum about the representation of women in films and how this idea... I, I, particularly, I particularly relate to her view of, uh, for example distress shown by women and how there's some kind of sections of uh, feminism that say that women should be exclusive almost exclusively uh represented as powerful it's kind of possessing all those kind of status symbols and um that any sort of depiction of mental even mental distress or physical distress or whatever it is um, that that is harming, it's damaging. And she says, she, she argues the opposite. Yeah. She says that actually these are realities that are lived by women mm-hmm. and to, to simply depicting them is is not necessarily endorsing that for women. It's just actually, you know, just, just showing it and then almost kind of in that way validating that experience because it happens to other people by exclusively not showing it. It's kind of gaslighting. It's yes. telling women that, you're only, you know, you're you're only acceptable if you meet these standards, yes. and that can actually be very that uh, upsetting and confusing for yeah. people watching that. And I think that um, I, I I I like what you say about how the men are shown to be in the way that they're kind of bewitched or enchanted. They become kind of I don't know almost very like I'm just specifically thinking about this scene where she puts on this coat and the lining is like a oh, rainbow yes. and it's, it's almost very psychedelic as if he's he's really tripping out like yeah. watching her and the way she undresses well I mean she does literally drug she does literally drug her <laughs> it is like a date rape isn't it it is, yeah, it yeah. is like a date rape and uh, I, yeah. I mean she cooks in steak yeah, oh, yeah. Like, so which like no one eats like they, there's because like, that steak is still there like days later when they find the body <laughs> Like, I think he does have a little bit. He goes delicious. Yeah, and then they have sex like immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, and she does definitely exert dominance and control over people. Yeah, but I mean, mm. I suppose the thing that upsets me about that idea of using your sexuality as a as a way to to control and to to get you things that you want is that it seems it's an impermanent 
way of gaining power. Yeah. But then I suppose maybe all power is impermanent. And well, I'm you, just... you could think that your mental faculties maybe don't stay the same your whole life. Do yeah. they? So I, I often think that the way that um, we consider physical attractiveness as a much lesser thing than mental mm. intelligence, although both are things that maybe you're born with, seems a little unfair. Oh, yeah. no, I didn't really mean uh, in terms of ageing. No. I meant in terms of the um, just the natural ebb and flow of desire, that you can only really sustain some of desire for, you for a certain amount of time, I think. Mm. Or, like, until they've got you. <laughs> until they fucked you. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I, yeah, I yeah. suppose that's the tease yeah, element, isn't it? I suppose so. But that's the thing about the love wish because she gets under their skin. Yeah. So it is. She is kind of defeating that impermanence that you yeah. speak of because I just like the tagline as well. She she loves men to death. Yeah. So in kind of I love that. I just yeah. really like that tagline. Yeah, because and, the yeah. first guy says yeah. he's a libertine. She's teasing yeah. him out of him, doesn't she? He he loves women. He's a libertine. He's obviously a bit of a ladies' man. And um, and then he gets really upset because she makes him love her or or become obsessed about her as he's dying. But she and she's really. I but my favorite bit in that film is when you know because she's brought him to this state of intense vulnerability. Yes, and she's being really nice to him. She goes out of the room and goes, "What a baby!" <laughs> <laughs> and it's this like awful moment where you realize that she's just incredibly vengeful. Where she, yeah. you know, she says, "No one was, no one was helping me when I was crying out for <laughs> for love." And, and so she just sits there and has a cigarette while he's like weeping in the and next he room. Says, don't go, don't go. She's, I'm not going, and she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It is quite funny. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. I think probably yeah. the more times you watch it, the funnier it, oh, yeah. it would become. Because at first, it's a bit like, you know, it's almost quite shocking. Yeah, in its it, strange it pace. Is, you don't expect it. To the be. way the acting is very wooden, like quite terrible. But yeah. that's all part of its yeah. charm. I feel. Well, we screened it for Zodiac um, mm. at Beyond Retro, and we just thought it was, you know, it was perfect for them. They were a vintage shop, and mm. and you know, it was like, and I'd seen it a few times, and I was like, really easy film to like. And we finished it to kind of like dead silence, really? and I think everyone was really freaked out about wow. it. It was, a, it made everyone really uncomfortable. It was not, it's not, that's not. I think of it as a really easy film to like, but it's actually not when you first yeah. see it. It is a little bit jarring. I was watching. I was watching it last night, some of it, mm -hmm. and um, my friend Alex was there, Alex Nishon, mm -hmm. and she hadn't seen it before, and she just could yeah. not cope. She just. Oh really? She's, this is so strange. Yeah. This looks so strange. I don't understand this film. It's so odd, and I think it does have that effect yeah. on people. They just can't quite figure out. How it's internal logic almost because yes. it's it is so it's very knowing in its irony but yet it still uh overloads on all that kind of all mm. those signifiers so you're watching it and you're thinking is this tongue-in-cheek is this accidental is this what's going on what you know <laughs> where am i and, and then they'll have the somebody sort of her friend, no, the the woman who shows her the house in the first place. I can't oh, yeah. remember her name. Yeah, but she sort of counters her, doesn't she, with yeah. some feminist feminist ideology. Yeah, and so those bits make you think, oh yes, it is. It is quite a serious film. So that sort of yeah. uh, gives it another. 
Actually, yeah. my favourite, favourite scene is when that woman comes into her house and tries on all of her things. Oh, uh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. yeah. It's, she's called... What is she called? Um, hang on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got the, we've got the Wikipedia printed out. And she... It's her husband that the love witch seduces, yes. isn't it? Yes. One mm. of the many... One of the many men. One of the many poor um, men. Richard, he's called, which I don't know why, it just makes me laugh. They <laughs> all look They all look so hilarious, all the men. Yeah, they, they do. And they're really they're really funny. Like, yeah. the one that she seduces first, who, yes. who dies at the cabin, and the way that she, like, kind of flatters him, and he just he just laps it up. Yeah. He's, really, he's really good and really funny. And he says something like, I've always... The kind of women I'm attracted to usually aren't intelligent enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, for the ones that can like match me intellectually, I'm not attracted to. He's like weeping about it. And she goes, poor, she goes, poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a sadism to her personality that yeah. I find quite uh, yeah. endearing. Like, I find them very funny and very, just kind of like very unique in the way that it's presented. Yeah. But I can see how some people can watch it and, and just be like, what is this trying to tell me about mm. women and the masquerade mm-hmm. and the use of makeup and this very, very sort of, um, I guess, very thorough engagement with uh, beauty products. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's really very thorough. And also something else that I wonder if this linked at all to the makeup thing is the fact that because the makeup look, the way that it's constructed, it is sort of harking back to, it's very retro, there is a kind of, I can't quite place it, like just chronologically, like what, no. where is it coming from precisely? It's, it's almost yeah. a hybrid of a lot yeah. of different things. But then again, even the way that the film is presented, like what period is this yeah. from? Because sometimes you think you're watching a straight period, dra- you know, period film, or specifically in a certain time, and then there's a piece of technology that appears mm. that you don't expect mm. and you think, oh, maybe it's a lot more modern than I thought. So I like its use of postmodernism mm. to confuse and discombobulate. And I think, yeah, I, I was going to say, like, just with the makeup, it's achieving that as yeah. well. Yeah, no, that's, I, I completely agree. And I was thinking that that's quite an, an interesting point when I was looking mm. at it yesterday, that you really don't know what time you're in. And... Anne Villa talks about telling the makeup artist to look at makeup from the 1960s and Bridget Bardot. And I was a bit like, really? Because it looks much more mostly like makeup from the 50s to me with the red lips. Yeah. But then she does have a bit of a 60s look. So you're right, it's, there's a lot of hybridity. Mm-hmm. And all those dresses are 70s. All those yeah. yeah. So it's just like... Retro, vintage, isn't yeah, it? Just it generally, is. yeah. Like you know, like a vague. We retro. don't need to worry about what period it is. It's just well, I suppose it just is anything that comes from a period where women were women and men were men mm. to be you know as sort of yeah, blunt yeah, and yeah. unrefined about it as possible. Yeah. One of the mm. um, things Alex said was that it really. My friend Alex said that it really reminded her of Jeff Koons oh, and wow. is. Chicolina mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting um, work and when I was thinking about there is I mean thinking about postmodernism and kitsch and, and you know it does fit perfectly with that so maybe that was somebody else she was thinking of mm-hmm. yeah it's so funny that Annabella said Bishop Bardo because I don't see that no, I look at it and I, I see giallo yes like yeah. I, I just see Italian horror like vintage Italian horror and like that really OTT look and the super exaggerated feminine, feminine features. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, that's just my own association. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like the perfect, this film is almost like a Rorschach ink blot. Like, yeah. <laughs> people just see whatever they want to see. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of um, Susanna Plechette, ah. who is the other woman in bird, in the birds. Ah. She's the school teacher in the birds. Yeah. And when I was little, she was in a film, I mean, obviously before I was little in the 70s, she was in a film called Blackbeard's Ghost, which okay. was about the pirate Blackbeard's, uh, like this uh, teacher in a university accidentally awakening this ghost of this pirate and him ca- like causing havoc. And he's got a crush on this woman, this like other woman in, on the staff, and it's Susanna Plachette. Mm-hmm. And I was like, obsessed with her because she had like mm-hmm. glossy, shiny black hair and like huge eyelashes, and she was really oh like sassy. And it's really, I don't know, I think so. Yeah, it's a bit of a Rorschach. We just sort of see what yeah. ever our like first image of desirability was. Mm-hmm. Something of Marnie as well about yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe in that. In well, the... in the way that she kind of slips it on and off <laughs> yeah. different colours for different personalities. Because you said the yeah. colour thing with the. With the eyeshadow. Um, I wrote a little piece about the film, and I was and I sort of noted different things with the eyeshadow. But actually, I've changed my mind slightly. Oh, okay. So she starts, and she's wearing her turquoise, which is a very kind of upbeat. You know, me going to the new house and being creative, and oh, no, mm-hmm. not being creative, going to the new house and getting it organised. When she's doing her painting and making her potions and those weird little dolls and things, she wears green. Oh, I think that's a creative color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the purple is after something bad's happened. I think after you know one of her lovers. When is, she's in the dark mood. Yeah, yeah. when she's dark. Mm-hmm. And then and then when she falls more in love, it all gets softer and sort of pinker, and her lips get pinker. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so there is a story being played out in the makeup and the colors, which is. Which you know is another way to read it, I guess, just as a kind of color story. Wow! Is her makeup when she's painting green or is it blue? I think it's green. You think it's green. I, like, <laughs> I feel like maybe she, she does wear blue when she's when she's making potions and things. Maybe she does mm. as well. Maybe it's yeah. green or blue. Maybe it's green. Or, yeah, I think Annabella <laughs> said that she thought it was blue was an occult color. Oh really? Yeah. So that might mm. be. I wonder if this Annabella is putting out lots of conflicting information oh, to confuse possible. us even more it's possible it seems like the kind of thing she would do yeah but what I like is that the lining of her coat is the entire oh, rainbow absolutely so it's the whole spectrum of emotions is but it's on the inside you and, know like it's and is it the inside of her dress as well she yeah all of yeah. Her, she says that all of her clothes are lined in yeah, she, like, ah. she says something about she loves lining yeah or something. oh my god and all the and the some kind of effect on yeah. the film, isn't it? So little kind of psychedelic yeah. things, which looks very seventies. Yeah. Very. Yeah, and um, yeah, and the, and even the, just the kind of kaleidoscope style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the perception, I guess, from his perspective when yes. he's seeing when she takes off her coat. Oh, when he sees all the multiple images of yeah. her face. I love that. I love yeah. that whole bit. It looks like an old top of the pops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> that special attachment they put on the lens. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, the screening I went to was, um, the people there, there was just a lot of laughter and it was just a very kind of, I don't know, people were, I I think they they thought it was just a straight comedy. I don't know. I don't know what they thought. There was even laughter in places where there definitely should not have been. I hate I know. I I know know you can't help, you know, if you go to a public screening. (laughs) I've only seen The Love Witch 
on uh, my laptop. I've only seen it as well, oh, apart from when we screened it, but oh, that was yeah. on a like a quite a small screen because yeah. we kind of set up in the shop, so I haven't seen it at proper cinemas. No, I've seen it in uh, the screening room one of Picture House Central, like wow. the glorious. Oh, that must have been amazing. It was. It was. I mean, apart from the reactions, yeah. but just to look at it, it looks stunning. Yeah. yeah, it does look incredible. I'm very, I'm very, yeah. it took her maybe, like, I think it said it took her like seven years. Really? To I make it. If she's she's basically rugs. made the whole thing and <laughs> wow. she did the whole, she did, I think she did, she edited it as well. Did she make the, did she do the paintings as well? Yeah, she painted them. Are you sure? Well, that's I what I read. Like it said that she got someone else to do them. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. she designed them and yeah. Or oh, maybe she storyboarded them or something, yeah. I mean, they're quite terrible, but but I quite like terrible paintings. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah them. me too. So I think there's something really interesting about them. They look like, do you know that artist Jim Shaw who collects mm. thrift store paintings? I was just, just going to say, it reminded me of thrift store paintings. Yeah, he had a, a big. He, he has a big collection that he shows in different places. He had a show at the ICA mm. years ago, and I saw another show, a big retrospective of his at the New Museum in New York a couple of years ago. So, yeah, he just has loads of them. And they're amazing. Yeah. And he has different categories, like people with pets and <laughs> nude women. And, I don't oh, know. so he's kind of a collector, like an archivist oh, yeah. as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave, leaving it to other people to build meaning. Yeah. That's exactly. really interesting. And I think all his work is like that. He collects various different things. The paintings are the best known. So, yeah. Hmm. So there is scope for that. <laughs> um, what are everyone's... Best makeup mm. scenes in films apart from The Love Witch? Oh my gosh. I really like Buffalo 66. Oh yeah. With Christina Rishi when she, I think it's when they're in the bowling alley and it kind of goes a bit sort of dreamy and she wears that really beautiful pale blue eyeshadow and her hair is blonde mm -hmm. and she just looks like, just like this lovely little cute cuddly <laughs> toy or something mm. and it's a bit shiny the blue eyeshadow yeah um i just remember when i when i was growing up blue eyeshadow was sort of the eyeshadow that you were meant to wear i think mm -hmm. it was either blue or maybe green if you're a bit alternative mm -hmm. uh, or brown and it was that really horrible pale well, i used to think really horrible pale blue but I love the way Christina Rishi wears that really yeah. horrible pale blue. That Revlon blue. I yeah. really had to wear it for um, ballet exams. Yeah. I think it is very, probably ballerinas wear that. Yeah. It's sort of the traditional eyeshadow colour. It is. I think you have to wear that colour. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but you had to wear that and red lipstick and then have a thousand curvy grips and you're digging into your like scalp. Oh and did God. you have to wear the eyeliner as well? No, we, no. Did. we had to wear mascara and I remember all the kids like crying because they hated having mascara <laughs> put on. Oh, I would have thought you would have loved it. No, because it's itchy and spiky. Yeah. You don't like it. Maybe that's why I can't sleep in my makeup. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't really wear mascara very often either, unless I have eyeshadow on. Mary, what about you? Uh, I think Black Swan. When she, uh, towards the end, when she's going for her big performance on opening night, and she's just caking on all this kind of white, like, theatre makeup, and then she goes to um, sort of also uh, pat down the, the, the kind of uh, deformity on her back. There's all this kind of weird stuff happening with her skin. Oh, she's so like feathers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she uh, also discovers that her feet are webbed. Like, <laughs> I just really like that. And I, I really like her makeup in that film. I mean, I like that, that the final scenes and the really exaggerated kind of uh, 
bird-like uh, optical illusions, you know, really heavily contoured. And it's all MAC. It's all MAC Cosmetics. And I love the lipstick color. I love everything about it. Did you guys see Lupita Nyong'o um, going to the US premiere in red contact lenses? No. no. Oh, it's on my Instagram. Oh my god. <laughs> but she, yeah, it was the, I guess it was whatever the American premiere of US. Oh, and wow. she was wearing, she's wearing like black lipstick and like red contact lenses. Oh, red pair. contact lenses is a bit scary. She, well, they, they're supposed, it's a, that's the effect I think she wanted to go <laughs> yeah. for. Probably worked. Yeah. <laughs> she does look scary, but she looks beautiful and amazing. Mm. So what's your favourite? Yeah. Uh, mine is Inglorious Bastards. Oh. Um, where she's oh, getting yeah. ready to um, burn down the cinema with the Nazis inside. And she puts on, and they played David Bowie's Cat People, mm-hmm. putting it in them. She puts on, she's putting on makeup and she puts lipstick on her cheeks, like war paint. She puts oh, like a yeah. stripe of lipstick on each <laughs> cheek. And I just remember really, really liking that. I think I like, I quite like red makeup mm. in, in, yeah. on my face and in film mm. as well. But there's a bit in, is it Lady Vengeance as well, where she says that she starts wearing red makeup so she doesn't look kind <laughs> anymore. <laughs> So I think I quite like that. I like it when women put on makeup that makes them look yeah, scary. Yeah, it's quite interesting makeup being used in a subversive way, I mm-hmm. guess. Just immediately lets you know that something violent is happening yeah. or unhinged. There's a, um, in Listen Up Philip, there's oh, a yeah. scene where I think it's Elizabeth Moss or one of the characters anyway starts putting on nail varnish like really calmly and then she just starts painting... She's having some kind of breakdown and she just starts painting it all over her hands. Mm-hmm. Like oh really, and it's quite disturbing. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss has a makeup moment in Us. Does well. she? Oh, yeah. Mm, it's really, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, maybe my favourite. It was, I really enjoyed it. It's been my favourite part of the film, but it's kind of her. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I, we can spoil the Love Witch because it's been out yeah. since. But I can't spoil us. But it's, there's a good. It moment. involves lip gloss. Yeah, she puts on lip gloss in this very okay. specific, like poignant well, maybe way. Maybe it's her thing then. Elizabeth maybe Moss. maybe she's like a method makeup <laughs> like, actor, and she just comes up with all of. I can't, I wouldn't. She's so yeah. brilliant. Yes. Yeah, she's great. It's just the fact that she's a Scientologist that I makes know. me sad. But she's amazing. So now now you're saying all this stuff about her connection with makeup, I want to see the new one with her coming up, Her Smell. Yeah, where she that plays, looks really good. Yeah, she's like a, a, in a grunge band or something. Oh, that's And her good. makeup in that is really interesting, like the stills that I've seen so far. But I have a question. Who are your favorite makeup artists and... What's your favorite makeup product, like your makeup brand? Oh, interesting. Um, oh, that's really hard. I'm well. I'm really into at the moment. I've been thinking a lot about it, and I'm really into Mary Quant makeup. Yeah. There's a big show at the V&A that's just open, but I've been collecting images of Mary Quant makeup ads because they're so great. Mm-hmm. Like really quite. Um, different from all the other ads that were around at the time they decided to promote the makeup it's this really new youthful thing and it's the the, the headlines are like go naked with Mary and things <laughs> like that it's all it's all about being like super sexy and they sold eyelashes in you know meters of eyelashes or whatever yeah. and crayons like artist crayons to paint your face with and loads of different things yeah. um so I don't know if there's one product, but I think that Mary Quant makeup in the 60s and 70s was really super cool. And I like Miss Selfridge makeup as well, because oh, I used yeah. to work for them. Oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't know Miss Selfridge had makeup. Oh, really? No. 
Kiss and Makeup. Kiss and Makeup, that's really nice. <laughs> I don't know if they, they probably don't anymore, but I used to be a makeup consultant for them, and we mm. had a special uniform that was different from everyone else in the shop. What was that? It used to change twice a year. It was like fashion based. Oh my god, that's so cool. I know. I remember the one I really remember was a peach pinafore with the blouse that was blue and pink stripes. <gasps> oh my god. Have you still got it? No. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. I don't know if we were even allowed to keep it actually. <laughs> well, I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't oh. <laughs> 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 I'll cut it out. I wasn't allowed to keep my agent for a dress, but I did. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I didn't like it by the end of the six months, and so I probably was happy to get rid of it. I can't remember what any of the others were, but mm. they used to go out their way to make you feel very special. That was yeah. really nice. And you had your own little counter as your domain. Wow. And they, and they sort of copied Mary Quant makeup because all the names were sort of catchy. Like mm-hmm. we had Iron Lady lipstick, and I can't remember any of the others now, but they tried to be a, a bit... Young and hip, like Mary Quant. Mm, mm. I'm gonna look that up. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Someone needs to bring that back in maybe an Instagram or something. Yeah, I'll have to have a look to see. I haven't seen, I've been really searching for makeup ads and I haven't found any in Selfridge, interestingly. That is mm. interesting. It's interesting what is kind of art, what people choose to archive yeah. and what they don't. I think maybe yeah. it's just not quite old enough yeah. to really have caught people's attention. I need to probably need to look through some old issues of Honey magazine and stuff mm. like that in recent years. Ah, cool. Yeah, it's a project for me. I need a new project. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know a lot of makeup artists. I really like mm. that one I bought the book for you. Oh yeah, uh, Stéphane Marais. Yes, I really like I that. Love him. I like I like it when girls go down the runway looking like they've got like consumption in <laughs> like it's like you know what I really liked that that um. They did a TV show of um, the Crimson Petal and the White with Romola Gary. Does that either of oh, you yeah. see it? And she plays like a, a Victorian prostitute called Sugar. Yeah. And she's got like white, white skin, and her lips are kind of like dry and flaky. And but she she looks really ill, but really sexy. So that's kind of my ideal. So I like I like mm. Stéphane Marais because it's all you know they're all they look like they actually do look like sort of French prostitutes mm. from the eighteen hundreds. But I think, I mean, when I talk to girls my age now, mm. we were all just obsessed with skincare. It's not so much makeup. Mm. We mm. all just want perfect skin, which mm. is maybe never going to happen to any of us. But we are all just buying like various different acids in different concentrations, oh, yeah. serums and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I suspect it's more about genetics. Oh, it's Sorry, really too. genetics. Most of all. So, well, I'm still going to keep buying them. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's, it's the fun of doing it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a ritual. It yeah. yeah, I like the ritual too. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> we could, this could be like another three hours. Yeah, a whole episode. But I'll, because um, I'm such a YouTube consumer, I'll, stri- I'll stick to YouTube makeup artists as my favorite. There's one I really like who is, I don't think she's a professional. She just started a YouTube channel and she just practiced and she has over 4 million followers. And her name is Kathleen Lights. She's from Miami. She's like Cuban American, and she just has the most amazing, uh, kind of almost elven face. Like it's, mm. she's so beautiful. She has huge eyes. So she's like, I would love to, to like just play around like with that canvas. Like it's such a perfect makeup face. Um, but she's so, I don't know. She's just super. Uh, sweet and I, I like her because she talks also about on her youtube channel she talks about her having anxiety and how 
she started watching YouTube videos to cope with that and it made her feel less anxious. Mm. She has, she doesn't go out that much and she struggles with agoraphobia. So she makes, she likes that her job gives her that freedom, you know, to be creative and not have to go out. Um, she collects makeup. So Kathleen, if you're listening, <laughs> I, like it. I, doubt, I doubt she's like a film person. So I don't know how much she'll listen to. I know she listens to podcasts, but in terms of my favorite uh, makeup product, um, my favorite type of product is highlighter. I love mm. it. I love it. I just want. I just want to like highlight everything. Yeah, highlight everything. <laughs> I, I collect with probably too many highlighters. I have cream powders, stick highlighters, like just the works. And my favorite brand, I'll name a high end and an affordable brand. Probably <laughs> high end. <laughs> High end, I'd probably say Hourglass. Oh, I don't even know Hourglass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's gold dust. It's beautiful. <laughs> so finely milled. It's really expensive. So, um, but I don't care. I mean, I'll just, I, I'll buy everything in the range. Um, I love Hourglass. The, the affordable range, I have to say ColourPop. Colourpop. They're both American brands. Okay. So I stock up when I go. And right. I'm going on Tuesday. I'm going to New York on Tuesday yeah, for three you. weeks. Bring us back a highlighter. <laughs> bring us back some ColourPop. Yeah. ColourPop is amazing. It is amazing. Just go on their website and it's just a festival of color and incredible products. And it's super it's super affordable. But it's good quality. Really good quality. I've, I've thought of a makeup artist yeah. who I really admire. And his name was Yale Back. And when I was doing makeup, just sort of starting out, he was really much more established and was getting all the really good jobs. And I was just always completely in awe of him. And he's part of that generation. So in the um, 80s, towards the end of the 80s, who were hit by HIV and AIDS, and he mm -hmm. died of AIDS. And there were a whole bunch of fashion people from around that time wow. who disappeared, mm -hmm. died. And I think because, you know, mm. it's pre-internet and everything, and maybe they maybe he wasn't massively famous. He was in the fashion industry in London, but maybe not worldwide. They're just sort of a bit forgotten. It feels yeah. quite sad. Oh, so even though I didn't really know him very well, um, he was he was good. He could just do eyeliner, really like yeah. which I was always like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's so cool. <laughs> it's amazing to see someone who is really masterful at eyeliner just do it. Yeah. It's just kind of like it's really mesmerizing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can all do it now because all of the products are so easy to use. <laughs> yeah. And we all, there's just some kind of, everyone knows yeah. how to do makeup now. There's no one out there who's not confident. <laughs> I, don't think. Well, I don't know if that's true. But, yeah, if you want to know how to do it, you can yeah, definitely you find can. it. Yeah. But then you always could because every single magazine would be full of makeup tutorials and there are so many books. Oh, and, sure. But I just always thought they were just more confusing. Yeah. The yeah. whole thing about your face shape and everything and how mm. are you meant to put the shading. I was looking at a book the other day, I'm like, I've got no idea what this is meant to mean. <laughs> All these diagrams of weird shaped faces. That's so difficult to understand. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, the other thing was thinking about Highlighter. The film that I've been watching lots recently and I'm writing about is Niagara. Oh, God. I know you... I love Marilyn. I know you love Marilyn. And I've just been writing about Marilyn's makeup, particularly in Niagara. Oh, wow. And I think her makeup in that film is quite amazing. Yeah. Those lips. Yeah. And she wears that when she's asleep. Mm -hmm. Well... She wakes up wearing that She wakes makeup. up wearing yeah. it. 
just the most <laughs> perfect red lips that they're not exactly glossy or matte, but as, satin. Well, as I think Laura Mulvey described them, I heard her talking about yeah. Niagara recently. She called them lacquered, ah. and that's exactly how they look. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> it's just quite amazing, and you just wow. It's it's sort of like that. I think when when that happens, that's in such a, a good film, way of putting it. Yeah. So that is quite a good makeup film, Niagara. Niagara. I actually <laughs> haven't seen Niagara. How bad is that? You gotta see it. It is good. It, I mean, it looks oh so beautiful. God. I'm I'm watching lots of colour film noirs at the moment, mm. which is that sort of weird oxymoron, I think, because mm-hmm. it shouldn't really work. <laughs> but because of Niagara. So Niagara's really great. And there's another one I've watched called Desert Fury, which, oh, I don't no, know, no. You know, which is super kitsch and was made in 56 and has a gay couple in it. Wow. Check it out. Oh, there's just so many And it's set in the desert in and the colours are good. So, really? Yeah, it's really, really good. That sounds really good. Elizabeth Scott is the mm-hmm. kind of lead. She's not really a femme fatale, but she's a girl. Here's the Love Witcher film noir. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say no. No, right? I'd say no as well. Because there tends to be a, a kind of thriller or crime like a mystery. Story central to film noir, doesn't it? This is a total murder mystery. It's just that we know who did the murders yeah, the whole way down. I think that means that it's not a murder mystery, no. though, is it? I suppose not. This is more about her, focused on her and her psychology, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people call films film noir that I'm like, really? Is that a film noir? I know. Because it is just one of those not easy to pin down tags isn't it it's a tendency rather than an actual mm. genre maybe I mean it is sort of we can see how it does exploit all, some of those tropes about uh, obviously the, the deadly woman like mm. that's a clear indication and the fact that she's this ca- ca- a cast agent yes a cast agent <laughs> okay. which is the, okay. the band name we came up with last episode okay. I, don't wanna, I don't want to be in the cast agent <laughs> But you're the only one that can play an instrument. No, I can't. I can only sing. Oh. Not, not that well. It's not useless. Yeah, she's kind of... She She ultimately... Um, yeah, she hunts down these men and she kind of removes something from them. Ultimately, their life force. So, yeah, for sure, she's... She, there's those vibes. She's a femme fatale. She's a femme she's fatale. She's a femme fatale. She's a vamp. Yeah. She? She's That's a vamp. how she's described yeah. quite often. And she really is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't think. Although, yeah, there was some really great quote in from Anne Villa in the in a the mm. Guardian. I think an interview she gave, and it talks about sexually aggressive women, confident women, and femme fatales, and how she was paying homage to them a little bit in love. Oh, yeah. So I guess that's just one of the other influences in the mix with all those other <laughs> multiple things. <laughs> that makes it such a crazy film yeah it is a crazy film it's amazing I can't wait to see what she does next me too I wonder yeah. if she is doing something next I mean I'm, I, eventually she will but I wonder if she's doing something right now I can't, I'm sure I have read mm. that she is but I can't say definitely yeah. I feel mm. like I have read it maybe it'll take another seven years like female yeah. filmmakers do traditionally leave a lot of space yeah. in between work because it's just yeah, it's I've, just harder for them to get finance. Yeah. I wonder if it was financially successful, The Love Witch. Well, I, I feel have... like it might be latently financially yeah. successful. Yeah. Um, because the box office taking is less than a quarter of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, 
Thanks. How much did it cost to make? Uh, well, that it doesn't say what right. the budget was. But so. you sort of suspect it wasn't a huge yeah. budget. So maybe it was profitable. Yeah, yeah. I feel it, it, it still. I think it's still making. It's one of those ones that's still making yeah. money. Yeah, it ha, it's sort of garnered such a cult following mm. that mm. maybe, as you say, latent success as opposed to box office success. Yeah, and if she is the producer yeah. and the, you know, if she's yeah. got all of those things, she's still making money yeah. from it. Which, if she was just the director, that's or so you true. know, she maybe wouldn't be. So I think because she's so, she was so in control of the whole yeah. every aspect of production. <laughs> I think she's probably she's probably still making money from it. Hopefully, she's still yeah. making money from it. Absolutely, it's on um, on Amazon. There's some associated streaming thing called Shudder. Oh Is yeah, like Shudder. Yeah. yeah, so it's on Shudder. So mm-hmm. maybe that's mm. good and profitable. I don't know. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, I think has everyone said all they want to say about the record? Well, can one ever say? I that? know, but yes. Moment. <laughs> well, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. It's thank really you. fun. Come back again. I will definitely. If I'm invited. Oh, um, and we'll be carrying on with this fashion film series that never ends. <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye.